0: Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I sit down with Pastor John and Pastor Kenny to talk through the importance of tying the Old Testament and the New Testament together, and we talk through our sermons on generosity from Exodus 25 and 2 Corinthians 8. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Well, we're back. Armchair preaching, and all three of us—Kenny, yep. John, me—all back in the. Uh, it's a first. Yeah, it since is a first. The, since uh, the, since John's first Sunday. Yeah, we did the one right after John's first Sunday, and then I was gone for three weeks, and then Kenny was oh, gone last right. week, and and uh, now we're all back together, and which is a it's a cool thing to kind of get all of our perspectives on on everything. And this week we were in the second sermon in our series called Live Generously, um, which is a little mini-series that's breaking up another series called Sermons from the Saints. So we'll get back to that uh, uh, two weeks from now. We'll Mm -hmm. get back into that. Uh, But this week we're in Live Generously, the second week. Uh, Before we talk about the messages, John was back in Vine this past mm-hmm. Sunday. I was in Classic, and Kenny got to be a participant and uh, a liturgist yep. in the Vine service as well. So, yeah. But then I went back and did
1: uh, watch Zach's sermon yeah. um, in the Classic service, which yeah. was nice to be able to do that. So I got to got to hear
0: both sermons.
2: Yeah. So we all got to hear. we, we all got to hear each sermon multiple yeah, sermons
0: yeah which is a great again we talk about this as a kind of a unique thing at, at our church but that we have multiple preachers we're looking at most more often than not we're looking at the same passages or same topics and getting a different perspective We we'll really get into that this week because John and I did take slightly different takes on the same passages of Scripture um, One of the things I want to talk about before we jump into the specific messages this week is um, something that's, I don't know, in our tradition, we place a uh, high importance on the totality of Scripture being relevant, Old Testament and New Testament. And one of the ways that we elevate that idea is by preaching many Sundays, preaching from two texts. In a, in a Sunday service we especially do that in our classic service we do that some in our vine service but I want to talk to you guys about how you view the importance of the continuity of the Old Testament and New Testament and how we kind of put that into our messages so first of all you guys t- talk to me about why it's important for you to think through the connection between the Old Testament and New Testament
2: well I was I was thinking about this because we, we talked about having this conversation as part of this podcast and I was thinking well why don't we yeah that was the first thing I thought of why why don't we and, and so I was just thinking about some of the reasons why why it may not be a part of I mean it is part of our, our diet here it's part of our regular practice here but i think in a lot of churches uh, and i think for, first off a lot of people will look at the old testament and just that that's tough in, in of itself and you know it's it's the i'm sure we all heard that the old testament i like the god of the new testament better than the god of the old testament <laughs> a lot of wrath and judgment and doom and gloom and murder and all the all these right. things. But um, I think part of the thing for 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 pe- for most Christians, is they, the reason why there's a new new tef- testament emphasis is because we're new covenant people. Yeah. Jesus and everything that Jesus is about, that we're about, as a church, all happens in the in the uh, in, in the New Testament. And then and then a lot of traditions around you get into when you get into seasons of the year, like you get into Christmas. Well, what's the story of Christmas? It's the story of. The incarnation, yeah,
0: Jesus. Not Christ. that they
2: necessarily connect that incarnation with you know, prophetic you know, words saying that it's going to happen. It just it happened, and so you deal with it from New Testament you know, forward. So this is sort of a, a new New Covenant New Testament bias that's built no. b- baked into the flow of our of our years. I think I think just kind of just my own experiences with pastors, even Presbyterian pastors. You know, we're all required to take Greek and Hebrew languages. Yeah, and I don't know how it was for you guys, but Greek was a lot easier than yeah. than, than Hebrew was because yep. Hebrew there's no cognates there's no you know and so you <laughs> sort of written, have this it's a, written in reverse in sense. reverse yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know it's just a lot harder to to learn yeah. and um and so I, I, that tends to have a you know, even for us as as exe- exegetes it has and it's easier for us to handle the Greek than it is for us to handle the yeah. the, the Hebrew and 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 then just Fact of the matter is that the Old Testament has some tough themes in it. Yeah, it does. There's some tough moments in it. So I think that all that lends to a New Testament, New Covenant you know, bias for us. But the, the 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 faithful part of it, the the fun part of it, is seeing that is seeing how how there is gospel throughout throughout scriptures. Yeah. And there is the good news. Even if we know that the my, I, we did First and Second Kings uh, over like a million years time to to go get through First and Second Kings decided we weren't going to do 1st and 2nd Chronicles afterwards, yeah. so we'd had enough. Yeah. Um, but 1st and 2nd Kings, and, and it seemed like this refrain almost every week was like, and that's why we needed a Savior, yeah. and that's why we needed a Savior, yeah. and that's why we needed a Savior. So the whole Old Testament keeps pointing to Jesus. And so yeah. that's part of what I find so meaningful in, in, in Old Testament is that it just it was all the work of God among the people of God to establish the people as a people of God, but it was moving some somewhere ultimately, it was moving towards Jesus. So to be able to speak Jesus into the see Jesus in the in the Old Testament is fabulous.
0: Though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I for me, you know, I, I've said this, people at, at this church know it. Um people at my former church know it. Genesis, my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, but I really love digging into the old testament. But before I went to seminary, it was very much a man, if I read the Old Testament at all, it was Psalms once in a while. Genesis one through eleven, a
2: couple passages in Isaiah, a
0: couple passages in Isaiah, <laughs> but only as it points to, uh, you know, Christmas and the the crucifixion and resurrection. There was a big disconnect. When I went to seminary, the bridging that gap was was huge for me and really opened my eyes to the totality of Scripture and the importance of Jesus on every page. But for me, the other side of it too is that the Old Testament. The New Testament's messy; it is obviously, but because Jesus is present in the New Testament, like you, he's physically there, he's the impact is is obvious. The Old Testament, there's a lot more messiness to it that I find um, a lot more relevant to the messiness that we experience now. And for me to to be able to go back into the Old Testament and say, you know, these people were trying to figure out how to live faithfully. With a God that had rescued them and saved them, and yet was not always obvious to them all the time, and they're dealing with all these these outside influences and outside cultures, and and they were tempted to mix all those things together, same way we're tempted to mix these things. To me, there's a lot, there's actually a lot of continuity between Old Testament time and what we experience today, Um, and then the 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 linchpin of it is that New Testament kind of moment. Jesus Christ, incarnation, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and empowering us to live in that by the Holy Spirit. To me, that's always exciting. And the stories are, are um, shocking sometimes in the Old Testament, that God would continue to show grace to these Moronic people, <laughs> and continue to show <laughs> that almost sounded it. negative in the way well, you yeah, said well, it. <laughs> no, I mean, but but the fact that God is uh, is is so uh, yeah. generous to them in their in their 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 mess ups, yeah, to me is so so
1: encouraging. And I, and I think one of the challenges that I think it's it's good for us to help people go into the Old Testament because I think we can. We had to learn how to go into the Old Testament and find Jesus mm-hmm. and, f- and see the gospel. Because I think what happens is even in churches where they maybe do uh, end up in the Old Testament a lot, they tend to go into the Old Testament and treat it almost like a... Almost well, like a moral conduct yeah. textbook. Like, okay, we're supposed to go in, and everywhere where it's ugly or sinful, whatever, that's telling you what not to do. And then everywhere where where somebody does something heroic or noble, that's what you should. They, in other words, they become moral examples. Yeah. Um, which really, if you kind of have a law or a performance-based mentality anyways, all that does is throw gas on that fire. Yeah, You just go into the Old Testament looking for ways you can either not dishonor God or ways you can try to earn salvation, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember uh, the example of just David and Goliath. We tend to look at that story like, oh, well, that's a story of how David had all this courage Mm -hmm. and faith, and he trusted God to do big things, which is true, and I think that's part of the story. But to think about it, but if you look and say, yeah, but he also was like Jesus in that he went out and fought a battle Mm -hmm. on behalf of people, on, on behalf of his people. So there's a way to see Jesus even in that. But I think Helping, I think that's the cool thing about preaching. Is is in some ways we're 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 teaching people how to read the Old Testament, yeah, and make those adjustments. How do you get to the
0: New Covenant and the Gospel through that? Yeah, which is not easy, you know. It's not, and and you know there there's the always they're the typological examples like you're you're talking about you know the type of Christ seen in the old testament you know and and then there's the the immediate grace seen in the old testament and then there are then there are just the stories that you know have so many layers to it you could go back and revisit it over and over and over again and it's through that the whole scripture but i think sometimes we because th- there are so many difficulties to read in the Old Testament for a lot of people, or their faith traditions, wherever they came from, their background de-emphasized it. They tend to look at it from, like you're saying, that that okay, this is the one way to look at this. You know, mm-hmm. this is the thin, and it's not. It's God has been God for all eternity. He is not changed and the God of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus with all of the rules and regulations, it's the same God as sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That automatically indicates the the, the multifaceted layer of the Old Testament for, for our people and that there is an immediate tie-in to the New Testament. Um, it, it's fa- it's always fascinating to me.
2: Well, that, well, that, that reminds me uh, uh, of, um, to think, uh, the, the thought of, we have a New Testament passage that we want to ha- include every Sunday, and we have an Old Testament passage that uh, we include every Sunday. Mm-hmm. At least that. That's yeah. been our, our practice here. But selecting those two, you know, how, how does how do we go about selecting which one, you know, it, it, do we start with the New Testament passage and then go looking for it in the Old Testament yeah. passage? Do we start in the Old Testament passage and go looking for the New Testament passage? I mean, you picked out the Scriptures
0: this week? yeah, yeah. How yeah. did you how did you go about that? Well, that was good. You know, I when I look at scripture passages, I I think our our our, our um operating procedure has been typically to decide um to decide where to start and and whatever's, you know, pray through, okay, Lord, what This is this is this is where we're at in the season of the church. Where do we begin? And when I looked at the last two weeks, because I I was away, so I was trying to project way in advance where I was going, where I was going, so I I could start reading and studying. Um, I thought, okay, Lord, we're talking about generosity, and I know that's all over Scripture,
2: but but we got to land somewhere. We got
0: to land somewhere. So show me something that um, is 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 I don't it's not new and fresh because it's ancient scriptures, but it's something that we we haven't looked at it this I haven't looked at it this way before, said so Lord, show me the generosity in a way I haven't looked in in before and so last week we did the Jacob and Esau passage um because we were talking about the change of someone's life, and I thought, uh where is there a narrative example that is that's, we don't typically go to Jacob and Esau and say generosity. You know, we, we talk about it from a lot of different standpoints, but generosity is not typically the way we frame that. Mm. It, it's there, obviously, when you look at it that way. but It's not the way we look at it. And then this week we were talking about the enabling of ministry. I, I look at that as a, as a, on a macro level, you know, how to, how has God gotten his work accomplished on this mm. earth? And it's, uh, and you brought this up in your, your message, uh, John. I didn't really talk about this as much, but you, you raised the point. God didn't need the... We're talking about Exodus 25 in the building of the tabernacle. God didn't need the people to build the tabernacle. He could have spoken it into existence. Mm-hmm. He spoke the cosmos into existence, for crying out loud. And yet, he gives the people an opportunity to participate in his work on this earth. To me, I thought that's amazing that God the God of all the universe says I have created you in my image to reflect something of me on this planet uh here's a way you can do that in a tangible way and he he speaks to the people so when I looked at that to me that just kind of enlivened my heart the the idea of building the tabernacle and the people getting to participate and and, and there's
2: I think there's a risk in doing that and Mm -hmm. and it and it, it it comes so you you did it based on Lord reveal to me something that I would that would be a fresh look for me to experience yeah. through through new eyes of what how this could speak into the message of generosity, and uh, I think for in 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 other ways it could be the risk of isegetical versus exegetical mm-hmm. approach where you sort of read into something sure. that you want it to say mm-hmm. and you make it make make it fit versus. And this is where I think it it's it's rich when because the longer we're at we're at this the more that we've done this the more that we've done personal devotion the more we've done teaching the more we've dug in deep that we've got exegesis flowing out of it. we've got the we've got the what does the text actually say flowing out of yeah. our veins at this point. Yeah. So when we come back to a a text of the Exodus 25 text we've already done homework in, in the past. We've yeah. already got that sense of there. So it, we know already it says this but now it's like it says this, oh, it says this, but what does that look what that says, what it already says, what it means for generosity. That's sure. pretty amazing.. Yeah, And we did both pick up on that. I, I, yeah, I, I love that. I loved your idea that uh, that it, w- individual generosity is great, but what happens when all those individual generosities get together? Yeah. and we have this combined effort at generosity. So that, that was that was Exodus 25, and that comes out of yeah. our own past of, 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 of I mean, it's harder. It takes more of an experienced experienced person uh, to do that, but when you're doing when you're faithful to the text, yeah, and uh, yeah. So you see, Kennedy, you picked out you picked out this week's text, this upcoming week's text, right? Yep. Uh, out of curiosity, your your there's Zach's approach. What's what's yours?
1: Well, um, same kind of thing. We had some big ideas that we wanted to to um, to kind of draw out and emphasize, and uh, and so w- once again, I just start thinking Old Testament, New Testament, and. Um, this uh, this week's is, is a lot about just kind of the um, just the incredible way that God uses generosity in ways that we didn't even expect sometimes it's jumping up, impacting generations of people sometimes it's having kind of collateral good effect on everybody right now in mm-hmm. ways that you didn't see it or whatever and so that's where I just went back to the idea of how, how cool it was that David. Um, has this gigantic fundraiser, this kind of legendary fundraiser, um, to help to, to fund the building of the temple that he's not even going to be around to see, but that to him, it was, it was still a privilege to be involved in a a generous campaign for something that would benefit generations of people to come. And that was just kind of a cool way to think about that. Um, and so anyway, so that's, I went with that and then, you know, and then you just try to jump. It's interesting. We, uh, I had originally picked the same passage that Zach picked for that you all preached last week, the the Second Corinthians eight. But mm-hmm. um, then I was like, "Oh, Zach's, you guys are going to be preaching that <laughs> anyway?" So you kind of stole it. Dang it! <laughs> It'll be a uh, cross reference. Yeah, a there you go. Reminder. But different. what was cool was then I could just go one chapter later and found something that even was even a better picture of that idea yeah. of 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 you know the 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 unintended impact even of our generosity and the way god does surprising things with our generosity. So anyways it was just kind of cool to see that there were there were such obvious ties. Yeah. But the nice thing is there's continuity in all three weeks in what we've all done there's, in terms of the story of the old testament even there there were some cool things that people mm-hmm. were going to get mm-hmm. the
0: exodus picture and then then they're going to jump into what happened in the kings. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah and actually we it's this is a te- we're teasing out this coming Sunday a little bit, but um, one of the things that's interesting is we we're hitting in, fr- in terms of the Old Testament we're hitting on three parts of uh, the the covenantal promises. You know, we're talking we talk about Jacob and Esau, so the patriarchal promises and the generosity God shows Jacob and Esau. Then we're talking about the the promise, the Mosaic promise, and and the tabernacle, and then how that. gets gets continued on through the the Davidic covenant and and how David and Solomon build this permanent temple. Um, John, when you were talking through the Exodus 25 passage, there was a a point I want to just touch on a little bit that that you really brought out, and it was—I didn't talk about this at all—but what it was really powerful to me how you you went through some of the actual listing of items that Mm -hmm. was asked for in the contribution and then made a point to say, how cool is it um, that there were people that got to contribute the gold that was used in the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant, but then at the same time, there were people that contributed the thread and the linen and the curtains, and both of those items, great mm-hmm. and small, used to create this centerpiece of worship for the people of God. Talk about that, the importance of the... Taking what we consider great or small, and in God's economy, it it does First of
2: all, it gives me goosebumps to hear you just hear just describe it because I think about how cool that is. I mean, it it really is an amazing thing. You know, that this is armchair preaching is really kind of the stuff you didn't get to in there. One of the things that I didn't get to, one of the, the percolating thoughts around this very idea. Would have been Pauline Pauline theology on the giftedness of the individual yeah, and the body of Christ imagery, and then there's a great place in First Corinthians 12 where he talks about he's talking about spiritual gifts, and he's, then he makes the analogy analogy of the of the body, yeah. and he said the eye can't say to the this part, the, you know, this part can't say to that part that I'm better than you or worse mm-hmm. worse than you, and that's really there in that in that whole. You know, mm-hmm. every gift matters. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's almost it's cliche to hear that when when it comes to any kind of fundraising effort that would be ever done ever. Yeah, like every gift matters, and you know it it's true. But I mean, this is this is like divinely a, 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 a spoken. I, every gift matters. The widow's mite matters. Yeah. You know. the the ear matters to the to the whole body, and the person who put that bronze to give, make the grommet to hang the curtain on the entrance it the, it, it, it it matters and it's meaningful too yeah. that, that's the thing that really stands out to me it, you know it, it's if we if we have our mind around that that's that's the thing if we have our mind right about that where well, we're not trying to compare ourselves to the other person which is like okay i'm going to give this to you god and then i get to sit back and say yeah it's that thing right over there yeah um, but uh, and so it's not that thing up front But it's that thing over there. But that
0: matters. Yeah, because it's part of this big thing. You know, it's part of the. It's each part has is a part of this larger whole that God's wanting to get accomplished. And you know, um, so often we read in places like Exodus twenty-five, and then this this Sunday coming up um, in in David's contribution for the temple. There's this these list of items. You know, these list, and we just kind of a lot of times just fly over those items. We're just, oh, I have no idea what all this is about. But in that point, uh, God um, encourages Moses to ask for the contributions of gold and silver and onyx and precious stones and dyed ram's skin and goat hair. And, and, and it's listed because they do matter. Every single oil of, for the lamp, it's all uh, significant and powerful. And I, I, I love that image because we do tend to get into the the big gifts or whatever even if we we give sometimes people give lip service to the smaller gifts but this is real i mean that's not a small thing even the things that seem small and i love that
2: and, and maybe related to that you you brought up something that that really, you know sometimes you're listening and you go wow that's that's cool i mean yeah. i love that you you brought up the idea that um just to remind everybody that whatever they were doing at the time they, they, and this is that now the Corinthians mm-hmm. um, or the Macedonians yeah. uh, written about it to the Corinthians. Um, that what they were doing was, you know, they may have been, may have been in Philippi or Thessalonica or whatever, mm-hmm. but they were that one little, you know, farm worker or whoever mm-hmm. it was con- giving that one contribution was connected to something much larger yeah. than than they even, may even realize themselves. So I love how you said it. That, uh, the Christians in Jerusalem were were, were helped because they were, these Christians in Macedonia were doing something that is much bigger than themselves. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love, I, I, and I think that's the, I mean, isn't that one of the things that we try to encourage people when they're in, in a church? You know, there a lot of people who say, well, I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I don't, but I don't like the church. You know that's not the plan. The plan is to be in community with other people. The the plan is to share life together and also increase your individual eternal impact by joining in with others. And so when we talk about giving to the local church, um, it, it's not just a fundraising campaign. It's to help people's discipleship in a community way. Um, Kenny, you, I mean you you're the associate uh, pastor of discipleship here. So talk about how you have communicated generosity with people from a discipleship standpoint here over the course of time?
1: Well I think in whether it's you know Financial Peace University or Crown Ministries or whether it's a preaching series that we do or whether it's just Bible studies and, and built into the way we think about discipleship. I mean, how we handle our money and possessions really matters. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jesus, uh, I, I forget all the statistics, but basically he spends an, a disproportionate amount of time talking about money and possessions. An mm-hmm. uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah, and, and, say. and oftentimes, <laughs> you know, in the church, we tend to shy away from that. But the truth is the model of Jesus is that he went after it all the time, um, not because he was greedy, not because he needed the money or whatever, but because he just understood the connection between the way our hearts and our character and our faith is formed and the way that's shown or demonstrated or sometimes triggered by how we relate to our money. Yeah. And so, I, I you know, I just appreciated um, all in both your messages, just the practical applications of examples of ministries. Yeah. And Zach, that you went through kind yeah. of a really cool way of just making very practical how ministries are funded and what the impact that has. And then I appreciated that John just went after, um, just head on, the idea that we all want to give to something that's, that's, that's fancy or that we see the immediate result, you know, as opposed to the paperclip and paying the light bill idea. But even that's a discipleship thing. Yeah. Because it, 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 you know, I was talking to a guy after the, after the sermon who was in Vine, and he said he was really challenged by that very fact because he had been dictating where a lot of his giving was going and he just said he realized how prideful that was yeah. that he wanted to control it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that really the issue of faith for him was just trusting that he he should just there that, not that some directed giving is inappropriate but he was saying he was he, even his tithe he was deciding where where it was going to go and he said he felt like for him it was a, it was that the message challenged his faith mm-hmm. to just trust that god would direct the session yeah and the pastors and the ministry team leaders as to where that should go and that for him he could just trust that so once it, again it just shows you where even the message of generosity for this guy who had been a believer his
0: whole life was still something that challenged some issue of his faith yeah which
1: is connected to discipleship
0: well and it gets back to the point that we've talked about the last couple of weeks and i'm i know it will continue on this week is it's like the, the the financial side of it is just one part of it but it really gets back to the heart and the point that we, that ties both the Exodus passage uh, from 20, Exodus 25 and then 2 Corinthians 8 um, and, and, then, and, and into 2 Corinthians 9 is when God asks the Israelites to give, he asks it. He doesn't doesn't demand it. It's not a tax. He says everyone should give what their heart prompts them to give. And then in Exodus, or in 2 Corinthians, later on in chapter 9, uh, Paul says you should give not under compulsion or reluctantly because God loves a cheerful giver. And one of the main points, John, that you said was we should give till it feels good. Yeah, it's a cool twist. Which is a cool statement. And I think one of the things that I got a
2: couple of emails about that as well, saying the same same thing that that, that, that just that idea that you know it should feel good. It should you know. Be, but when, it doesn't always gotta... start feeling no, good though. No, and it that, didn't for me. I told it, that it, story it, yeah, it too.
0: Me for e- me either. We talked a little bit about this last week in, in the podcast, but, but the the consistent act of obedience, even if it starts off reluctantly, if it's done with the, with the heart of faith. It will produce a joy even when it's difficult and that sometimes I think is the hard part for people when it comes to the giving piece because you can say well well John you know um, it doesn't feel good so I guess I'm not gonna give (laughs) you know (laughs) and that's that's not the point right Right. I mean the point is uh, sometimes it's obedience I don't imagine the cross felt that good for Jesus exactly exactly and the mission was was
2: was I mean he was on it yeah the experience of the cross
0: yeah obedience doesn't it doesn't always feel good when you start but by faith like this like this guy was talking to you Kenny about it you are slowly convicted and molded God molds you through that process to where the joy happens you know now giving for me and my family is a lot easier and more joyful than it was before thing because we just kept being obedient over time and, and, and slowly increase that obedience. You know, that's, that's kind of our, has always been kind of our family's deals. Keep, keep increasing the obedience, keep increasing the, the, the joy of generosity because it will come back, you know? Well, and that's uh, I was, I was thinking about that this,
1: this week with, uh, looking at the uh, way other passages help you understand certain principles, but think how Jesus talks about um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And uh, I was reading this this one author named Randy Alcorn, and he was just saying, if if you don't have a joy, if you don't have a passion for the church or for a particular cause or mission that you think you ought to, he just says, then you could take Jesus up on that promise. He says, you start giving, and guess what? Your heart's going to follow your money. Yeah. So Sometimes it's not... I'm so compelled with a full heart to support this, so I'm going to give. Sometimes it's, I know I ought to be and should be, and there's something wrong with my heart that there's not, so I'm going to buy faith and send my money there. And he was just talking about how, He he says, guess what? He goes, you invest a bunch of money in Nike stock, I guarantee you, you're going to be checking that a lot. a lot because that's where your heart will be. Yeah. Your heart will follow your money. Yeah. And so he's just saying, you know, put that to the test. You know, you start giving more to the local church or giving more to the orphanage or to the overseas missions. He says, and your heart will follow.
2: I, I think the same thing could be said because we've been broadening the, the, the idea of generosity this entire time to make sure that, that, you know, that it's not just about money, but the same thing could be said about other parts of our generosity. You know, we're, if you if you you know, invest in, in Nike you're going to be checking Nike if you put your time into something you're going to be mm. checking on you are going to be following it on Facebook you're gonna be, yeah, you going to be you can do everything you going to have a lot of eyes on you know, cuz I put my, my my time into this I put my energy in it. I mm. pray for people involved in this I socialize with people involved yeah. you know all when all yeah. that when you are generous in that holistic way I mean, you, it, it it it's, it's the it, whatever whatever all in means to people and that is anybody who's who's living generously you know, for yep. the kingdom in the church. That is an all in person. That's yep. right. That's right.
0: Well, it, we're going to continue the conversation uh, this Sunday uh, with generosity. And we'll be back together to kind of unpack that a little bit.
2: I love uh, the theme for this week, by the way. I love the, this upcoming week. Uh, just just the idea that there's a whole there's there's. Generationals generations are being affected. Yeah, it's a by, legacy by our current yeah. generosity. Yeah. Fantastic. It's gonna
0: be fantastic. Yeah. If uh, just to remind everybody, if you miss any one of the messages, you could check us out on our website, fpclakeland.org. Uh, you can watch on YouTube. Um, you can also um, check us out on Facebook. All the messages are there as well. And if you missed any one of our podcasts, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, or check us out again on the website fpclakeland.org. John, Kenny, thanks for being here once again, and uh, we'll talk next week. See you then.